Huh? There we go. And let's do this. All right. We are live. We are live! Exclamation point. Let's copy the link. Put the link there. Big U. Put you there. Hit enter. We're up. We are up and running. The uh, official reboot of the fourth season of Scouching Live is live. Uh, we did a little bit of an experiment. A little bit of an experiment last week, or last month, um, to mixed results on my end. Uh, but we're going to keep things a little simple to get the year going here. We're going to do a good old-fashioned uh, look at my spreadsheets live stream. So, good evening to everybody. It's been a long time since uh, we spoke or went into detail about the NHL draft. I am excited for another exciting season. Um, as of today, I believe all leagues are now in competition. Uh, so that's fun. That is fun to say the least, and I'm super, super excited. Um, I am well over a round's worth of players tracked. Um, I'm well over a round's worth of players tracked, which is very exciting. I have some new things hung in the background. That is a tiny little, um, that is, that is, uh, Rick Vive, actually. Um, I managed to score some memorabilia from a neighbor of mine who moved in the offseason, and that is, uh, a portrait of Rick Vive, which I don't know what to do with, but that's what that is. He's, he's watching over us, uh, all night tonight. He's just hanging out back there. So, Rick, if you're watching, um, you're back there as a, as an audience, kind of. So, uh, that's kind of fun. Um, what else? Uh, just tracking has, tracking has been mostly of what we're doing so far. Um, I will also open the chat or open the, open the stream. Uh, the one thing, um, I'm thinking about doing for this year at some point, and I don't know how soon this will happen. Um, but if any of you have experience with video editing, uh, or any listeners to the podcast version of this have experience with video editing, I would love uh, to hear from you. Um, I do think that a uh, video editor will be something that I will add uh, for this upcoming season. So if that's something that gets you going and you have some experience uh, and you are familiar with the work that I do, just uh, hit me up privately and uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Um, I mean, I will also make a more public thing, but I do want to make sure that uh, people who are most familiar with my work uh, and uh, might have some ideas um, are the ones who might hear that news first. Uh, but that is also a bit of a long-term scenario thing since, since videos are in a bit of a, a bit of a ways away, let's say. Uh, what else? Uh, but that, that's honestly, I think that's honestly about it. And I'm more than happy to open the floor to questions. And I think I've killed enough time getting the stream going that there's enough people here um to get going okay uh what do we got yeah <laughs> yes i am back i'm here uh it's another it's another year off we go fourth season it's a little scary uh the, this is the fourth year we're doing this but uh i'm thrilled i'm excited 
Uh, Cloudy Pear, what's up? Not much. Uh, living the dream. I had a physical today with my doctor, which uh, came back all good. Um, need to do more exercise, though, so we'll get to work on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, COVID, COVID's real, man. The COVID effect on your body is real. Um, but, yeah, uh, not much is really up. Just a lot of watching junior hockey. I've been watching preseason whenever I get the chance, but... Finding ways to watch it is a little bit difficult unless you're in, you know, watching Canadian teams play. I've seen a few games of the Canadian teams and everything, um, but not so much in the States. A little bit of San Jose here and there, a little bit of Columbus here and there, but mostly North, mostly Canadian teams. Um, watching the North Bay Battalion choke a lead. Yeah, I've been following along the scores. I haven't been watching the OHL live, but... Uh, not a great start. But you know what? It's the first weekend uh, of the season for them. And it's been their first competitive hockey in almost a year and a half, basically. So I'm pretty much allowing a lot of players a lot of slack, especially in leagues like the OHL and AA, or uh, OHL. And, uh, and actually, that's the only one that did not play at all last year. Um, no portal tonight. Yeah, I, I did think about booting up the split gate for tonight. I think um, one of my off-season purchases uh, for this channel uh, was one of these. So I now have an Xbox down here with me um, with Game Pass. Um, so I do have NHL. I do want to do that online a little bit over the course of this season. Um, it may be a patron-exclusive thing. Uh, so if you want, you know, we, we do, we've been doing some games off and on in the last little while just playing some some nhl in the discord server um and uh if that's something that floats your boat uh absolutely uh you can join up and join the discord server at the five dollar and up tier uh and you can play some nhl with me i might do some streams of of some nhl as well in the future um but uh i have nhl 22 downloaded i haven't started my my free 10 hour thing yet uh i'm a little scared to use that up i want to use it wisely um, so yeah, I, uh, but I, I, have enjoyed the NHL games as much as people poop on them. Uh, I've actually kind of enjoyed it. I miss actually playing a hockey video game that is passable. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's, it's so far so good, I suppose, but we'll see about NHL 22 and we can, we can dive into that a little bit if you want, but, uh, look forward to that. Um, Thoughts on the Columbus Blue Jackets preseason? Any standouts for you, prospects or otherwise? You know what? Um, Cole Sillinger has really been making a push. I think there's something legitimate there. Uh, obviously, you see the uh, shooting talent of Igor Chinahov, and I saw someone ask about him there. I haven't been paying a ton of attention, or at least not enough attention, to give you a good read on, on Chinikov. The guy that I always had my eye on in the Columbus games is so far the one game I've watched is Cole Sillinger. Um, but I'll probably go pay more attention to Chinikov before the season starts. But, you know, if Chinikov is just like, you put him on your power play and you give him the puck and he shoots, like if he's sort of the Victor Olofsson role for the Columbus Blue Jackets this year, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, even if it's just him getting his feet set as a rookie, um, I think that's perfectly fine. Cause that's a job that he can do. Uh, cause he can really shoot the friggin' puck. Uh, how's Miraculous Nudinov's development? Um, he's off to a good start in the KHL this year. I mean, I, I've 
to me, he was always going to be a slow burn. Like I didn't think that he was going to be an NHL player within two seasons or three seasons. I think he's going to be a bit of time developing. Um, he's he's getting better though. Uh, he was this, and it's also another advantage of drafting guys that are so young uh, for their for the for the draft class. Um, you know, it's it's a, that's an advantage of drafting guys that are so young. So he's going to be. Um, a really interesting one to watch, obviously, because I'm a huge fan of him. But he's taken a good step in the KHL. He's utilizing his speed a lot more effectively from what I've seen. Like, he's maintaining a lot of control uh, over the play a lot more than he was. Um, he does kind of need, a po- like, teammates to to find him uh, a little bit rather than him being physically there enough to free up pucks himself and turn play around. But... I mean, if he gets ahead of steam going and he gets moving up the ice, he's a great puck transporter at the KHL level already. Uh, and he's creating offense. I mean, he's scoring points, which is great. Um, and I, I, I mean, a guy at that age playing how he is in the KHL with the kind of production that he's already got, those don't grow on trees, let alone outside the first round. So I'm pretty pleased. I'm not expecting him to, you know, I expect him to be a great player at the World Juniors this year, assuming that tournament happens. Um, and I think that, you know, next year, I don't, I, I think him making another step forward as a KHLer is not completely, uh, out of the question. Um, Devil's Isles canceled due to a partial power outage. Holton Mercer may make New Jersey anyway. <laughs> oh, power outages. Oh boy. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen any New Jersey games, so I can't really comment on Alexander Holtz or Dawson Mercer, but I have seen the clips of Dawson Mercer that people are throwing around so uh can't complain about those uh too bad he's looking pretty good uh hey will hope all is good how much better could matthew savoy be compared to his brother carter i love him relative to his brother i mean i i think what matthew savoy brings is a quickness and agility and and confidence with the puck that i don't see and never did in carter carter i think is just a shooter like Carter really feels like a guy who's a good skater, but not as good as his brother, but a much better shooter. And I did a game of Matthew Savoy today, actually. I didn't put a list of names that I've tracked on here because I figure I'll just tell you if you ask names, but it's I've, I've done over a round's worth of players. And just looking at the guys that are in my first round right now, which again, please don't take too much from this. Um, just, just you know, it's just a placeholder list right now. I haven't even seen some of these guys yet this season. Um, but I've done all of these guys in the first 32, except for Yanni Newman, uh, Lane Hudson, and Shane Wright. Uh, who's the other one? Connor Geeky I haven't done. Um, Noah Usland I haven't done. And there's one more I'm forgetting. Lakarimaki is another one, but the but most of them, Jack Hughes is another one, but the majority of them I've done. Um, uh, the majority I've done. So uh, didn't put the list up there because it would be extremely long. Um, but I did Matthew Savoy today and really liked him. I mean, I think that his production is a bit lacking, especially considering how much his team is scoring. But I don't really concern myself too much about that, especially because it's been two games or whatever it is, three games for him. Um, and in that game, he played pretty well with the puck on his stick, which is really impressive. Um, 
I, 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 I've really liked Matthew Savoy. Just again, it's just the, the, he's a little bit passive defensively like his brother Carter is. Um, I found not as much. I think he belongs at center. Um, but it's still kind of the same thing. So I, I'm cautiously optimistic. He also only played nine minutes at five on five in the game I tracked, um, because the game was so full of penalties against Regina. So, uh, or at least I think it was, but he only played nine minutes. And in those nine minutes, he did play pretty well. Um, please tell everyone about how Lane Hudson is going to be the best USA defenseman in the draft come July. See, I don't think he's that good. But I look at Lane Hudson as certainly a first-round prospect, and I haven't seen him ranked in the first round much at all. Um, probably because he's small, and it might just already be one of those guys where he's just small and doesn't go very early. Um, but I really like Lane Hudson. I mean, he's one of the more skilled defensemen in the draft. Um, but I have seen multiple, multiple instances so far this year already watching the NTDP. I've tracked, like, seven NTDP players now, maybe eight. And... Hudson isn't one of those, but I've seen a lot of him in those other eight players. And he is a player where his pure speed is not what it needs to be yet. And it and he does get burned with that. He's reaching for pucks a lot. He is just not covering enough space defensively to really be that much of an impact player. Um, like, I look at Tyler Duke, who's only a little bit bigger... But his quickness and footwork and all of those things, um, all of those things really come together a lot better for me right now. But the offensive skill in a player like Tyler Duke is just not there compared to Hudson. Hudson's ability to fake out defenders, you know, evade pressure, play confidently and offensively, it's really impressive. Um, I still think Seamus Casey, Seamus Casey's been my favorite NTDP defenseman for sure. Hudson's behind him, and then uh, Tyler Duke, and then Ryan Chesley. But those four are all really, really good. Really, really good players, I think. Um, how was Chinikov? Oh, we already went over that. Uh, did you watch the prospect tournament? I did not. I did not watch any prospect tournaments this year. I've been watching junior guys around the world too early. Uh, no prospect tournaments for me. I think I watched one game of Toronto, um, but that's it. A deal. What's going on? It's going. It's going pretty well. Uh, slow but surely. Slowly but surely, getting into the swing of things here during the year. Trying not to overthink it early in the year. It's only October. Uh, you're not gonna see a list from me for at least another, I'd say, two months, maybe month and a half. Um, and just trying to get some other McKean's projects off the ground. Um, whenever I have some time. So, uh glad to to be on board over there um got out to a game i'm trying to go to games this year a lot more so i'm going to one next week uh in guelph over the weekend so that'll be a fun time i'm gonna see guelph play niagara i believe um so yeah that'll be a lot of fun um but yeah other than that things are pretty pretty straightforward every day it's still the pandemic still going on uh, got my vaccine a while ago, so we're all set to go. Um, but life is a little strange still, I would say. Uh, hey, Will, have you gotten to any of the 2023 eligible forwards, Brady, Braden Yeager and Riley Haight? Well, I didn't see, I haven't seen Haight yet. 
uh, in detail, but I do pay attention to Jaeger every time I watch Moose Jaw, and I like him quite a bit. Um, but considering I'm only about 35 names deep on 2022, uh, I have not paid too much attention to some 2023s. But, I mean, by virtue of them being on the ice, uh, by, by virtue of them being on the ice, I see 2023 eligibles sometimes. Um, I'm a, obviously a huge fan of Matvey Michkov, um, but there are others, uh, and Braden Yeager is one of them. And I've, I've liked Braden Yeager, especially for his age, uh, a really, really talented, to ju- a really talented junior player already. And, and, uh, I need to watch more Moose Jaw. Jagger Furkus is on my tracking list and so is Denton Matejchuk. So I'll be seeing lots of Moose Jaw later this year. But usually I like to give, uh, seasons, give league, give teams and leagues about, three to five games before I start digging in and tracking a game. Like I just did my first CHL game today um, of, of Matthew Savoy. So, so hopefully more CHL guys I'll be able to do after this weekend. That's probably going to be the focus next week, uh, especially because there's a bit of a delay getting Scandinavian junior hockey footage. Um, are you surprised with Mercer's development at all? Looks like it looks likely to grab a roster spot on the devils. I'm not surprised. I mean, I think, I think that, my read on Mercer when he was draft eligible is that the, the when the puck is on his stick and he's one of the, when the puck is on his stick there's really not that much to worry about. He's such a great offensive creator and when he moves his feet he can really get moving. It was just with him the biggest thing was inconsistency. I I remember that year and I I I thought and I don't know if I said this I but 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 thinking back it was like you know if you see it was like Noel Gundler kind of like if you see him at your best at his best, I could easily see an NHL team going, this guy is a, top, a 10th overall, you know, 10th, 11th, 12th overall. I could easily see him going in that range. But then on other nights, you just kind of see a guy who focuses too much on offense and doesn't really bring a ton of pace. Um, and I thought that he was the no-brainer pick where the Devils got him. Just because, like, my read on him was that worst-case scenario, you probably end up with a complimentary point scorer who can play on the power play, quarterback pucks up the ice, and fill a, a variety of roles, even if you forget uh, a little bit about the defensive side of the game that was a little bit lacking with him at that time. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, so I'm not surprised that, especially offensively, he's doing enough where the NHL is, their coaching staff is kind of ready with New Jersey to kind of maybe give him a shot, um, especially because he is also a little bit older. Like, I don't really see the advantage of sending him back to junior. Um, you know, I could easily see him getting a couple of games and seeing where he is. Uh, I haven't seen any Devils preseason, so I don't know what he's looked like specifically. Um, all I've seen are the highlight gifts that people are posting about him, and you know, they're pretty nice. Um, but there's a lot more to the game than highlight gifts, and we'll see how his game is. I don't know. Um, but I, but I'm frankly, I'm not surprised. I thought it was a no-brainer pick at the for the devils at that slot um and yeah just if just another one of those things where you know at that point you may as well bet on the really high-end offense that you see once in a while and hope it comes out more and and hope that the defense kind of sorts itself out over time because there's a lot of talent with dawson mercer jasmine hello it's been a long time uh great to be back great to have you uh, do you have an opinion on Julian Lutz and Connor Geeky? Uh, I don't have an opinion on Julian Lutz just yet. I was kind of underwhelmed at the Holenka. I thought he would be a player that could at least drag the German team around a little bit, but I didn't see much of that. Um, so, But I will keep an eye on him in the WHL. I think that's where he's... 
But I, I, I do have him. Oh, no, he's in the DEL. I thought for some reason he came over. Um, I haven't seen him at all this year, though. Um, but Connor Geeky is going to be a very interesting one. Um, like, I think Connor Geeky brings something that is hard to find in the NHL, where he's got great vision with the puck. He, he, he has really, really nice patience. Um, you know, he can protect the puck really well. He's a big boy, uh, which is great. All of those things are great. Um, I, I, I get the feeling that he's good enough to get away with things without being the best skater in the world, especially considering how big he is. I just, with players like Geeky, I wonder how much translates. I wonder, you know, like, I feel like he's going to be a really solid NHL player. Um, and obviously it's only October 7th. Um, but I've seen a guy who isn't the paciest guy around, but that's because he is big and such a good puck protector. He's got great vision. Like I said, he can find seams through sticks. He can find seams through layers. Uh, there's a lot to like about him, especially for a big man. Um, I just, I want to see more two way intensity out of him, just more intensity in general. Um, his skill level, I think is average. It's not super great. His, his thing is more just wait out the opponent, find your seam, and attack it. And I think that's fine, but I also am sort of withholding real concrete judgment until I, I track games of him. But he's a guy where, I mean, I could see an NHL team loving him and, and saying if he just plays more physically, he's a top 10 pick. Which, you know, I, I could maybe see that argument. You have maybe a 200-foot playmaking power center i could i could see something like that but i just don't i don't know yet i haven't seen him in detail um i i could see him scoring a lot of points in the whl though uh and i'm sure he's going to end up higher on my list than he is now it's just this is a strong year and there's a lot of guys that i've really liked um already and with geeky he's a guy where i'm kind of looking for a bit more uh, especially in terms of to, to be able to project him a little bit better. Um, but again, it's it's only October 7th. So see how I feel in a month, I suppose. Uh, any legit power forwards? There are several forwards up at six feet plus and 200 pounds and up. Um, yeah, I mean, Slavkovsky is the easy call. I think there's a legitimate power player there. Um, Yanni Newman is another one that I've really liked. Connor Geeky, like we just said, uh, could be another one of those. I want to say Philip Beestead, but this year I just haven't seen it yet out of him. I know he can, but I haven't seen it. I wouldn't consider Miko Matika a, a power guy. Um, he's more of a big sort of shoot first guy, which I think is fine. I like him a lot, but not necessarily a power guy. Um... Yeah, but I mean, the crown jewel kind of is that Slavkovsky-type player. Uh, I, I think Slavkovsky's kind of the, the prototype there. Um, Miroshnashenko kind of plays a bit of a power game, a lot of resilience to him, uh, a lot of fighting off pressure, but he's not necessarily big. Um, but he does have that, that big style of play. Uh, but he's a guy where I need to sort of circle back relatively soon and do game two on him, because uh, my first game on him was a bit underwhelming let's say uh can you take a look at garrett brown and tyler dice d dice dice art tyler desart 
All right, I'll put those names down and check them out. Let me just, uh, that, that, there. Now I won't forget. Uh, I kind of shocked about the waivers today. Guys like Volkov, Lind, Anderson go unclaimed for no good reason to me. If I'm a team like Arizona or Buffalo, I get those guys in my top ten, top nine. It's the age-old confusion. Um, I mean, I get your point. If I'm Arizona or Buffalo, you can add those guys and get probably no worse. Um, but, I mean, go back in history. Like, if you can, go back and count the number of guys that have been put on waivers in the last five years that have really worked out in a way that, like, they took someone's job. It isn't extremely common. Um, I don't know if Toronto claimed Alexander Galchenyuk. And I don't disagree with what you're saying. Um, but I do think that there is... There is something to be said about... You know, like... Oh, ah, I just hit my glasses with my toggle on my sweater. Anyway, um, I... I figured this was going to come up at some point and it's kind of come up organically, but I just finished watching that all or nothing show on the Leafs last night. Rick Vive back, back there told me to watch it. So I, I woke up one morning and said, I got to watch it. Um, so, so after Rick told me to watch it, uh, it, it, it does sort of pull back the curtain on, on what being part of a sports team can be like at that level. And I don't just mean like, personally i just mean what that experience is like and and what the the importance of interpersonal relationships is and and how important it is to have a group and a group that is cohesive and we are less than a week away from starting the season and i get the feeling that claiming someone on waivers literally right before the season starts Unless you really need that player for a specific thing, like Montreal needs Samuel Montembeau, and I know that Bergevin, Mark Bergevin, said that 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 claim wasn't related to the Carey Price news. I, I, I obviously I'm not saying I don't believe him, but it is very convenient that 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 is that that happened for them, and that Montembeau is a guy that they picked up. So with Montembeau, they've now filled a need that they really, really, really need to fill in retrospect. So hindsight is twenty twenty, but they they got a good call there. But with guys like Alexander Volkov and Cole Lind and Joey Anderson, like Cole Lind was a good AHLer last year. Joey Anderson was a fine AHLer last year. I've always felt the hype with Alexander Volkov is kind of intense. I never quite saw it with him. I mean, there are guys that I think deserve an NHL look. And those guys would be like Frederick Ayard, who got waived and, and didn't get claimed. Jonah Gadjevich, I was not surprised he got claimed by Chicago or uh, San Jose. Just, you know, you can just pat him on the back and he goes out and hits everything that moves. I think there's a role like William Carrier does that and he gets pretty good results. And maybe they think they can turn him into a William Carrier type player or a Ryan Reeves or something. Maybe they have that in San Jose now, which could be fun. Um, 
But the other thing is that you don't know what you're bringing onto your roster. And, and, and by bringing on a guy like that, the expectation is that, they, that, they, that you can put them, that, they, that you can not only put them on your NHL team right now, but you know that they're better than what you've already got. And you're going to take a job away from someone. Like, that is more difficult mentally than I think it's being portrayed to be. Like, it's easy to play NHL 21 or NHL 22 and say, oh, this guy has a high overall rating, we should add him to the team, and, like, he's on waivers and it's free. But I just don't think that competitively in real life, I don't think it's that simple. Mostly because you're removing someone from a job in that case, and you're also picking someone up who... All of the players you listed have very limited NHL experience, or at least NHL exposure, from what I remember. Um, so it's it's kind of, they might end up on waivers like three days later, right? Like you don't want them to come to, to camp or to come to your roster on, on three days before the season and go, okay, you're going to play on our bottom six. Here's all the tactical systems we use. Uh, good luck. Enjoy starting the year. Obviously, it's not that simple, but I can I can see how that would be something that would give general managers pause. Um, is it, is it true in every case? Probably not. Could Buffalo certainly use a guy that they could pick up off on, on waivers? Sure. Probably uh, there's been a couple. Um, but I, I, again, I don't think that Buffalo, this happens every year where players that people are, are interested in or players that had, had some promise in a certain role, they get cut in a year that's important for them and they go on waivers you know, like they're still in that between region where you're not sure what they are yet. So I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think there's a bit of question marks there with, with, with all those guys you mentioned and a lot of the guys on waivers. But again, there are some guys that certainly stick out as guys that I would take flyers on if I were a team like Arizona. Um, but I can understand the reasons why they might not, or at least their first in, first reaction would be not to. Uh, hello, Will. Hello, Mr. Coor. Good to see you again. I don't know if you take 2021 questions, but you would, would you still have veneers over Eklund even after this preseason? Can we have that live stream on Spotify? Uh, which live stream? Not sure. Uh, please explain which live stream. I usually put them all up. The gaming ones I didn't put up because there was no point. It was very confusing if you were just listening to it. Um, but I still have veneers over Eklund. I love William Eklund, and Eklund was right there with veneers uh, for me. But... I'm happy with Matthew Beniers at number one. I mean, I, again, I've said this a few times. There, the only other player that you could have convinced me was a better choice than, than, than Beniers at one would have been Eklund. Um, and that's the only one. So it may be Wallstead, but, but Eklund for sure. Um, but I still stand by Beniers for sure. Uh, Chris Barbarian, oh no, sorry, bud. Uh, welcome back. Thank you very much. As a depressed Sabres fan, how would you compare Wright's hype and projection to that of Eichel's? See, it's really hard to say uh, because Wright hasn't played really. I mean, he played at the under-18s, but he was battling injuries uh, from what I saw, and he didn't play at all last year competitively. Um, I mean... Shane Wright, I think, is in that tier of talent where you're gonna take him first overall and you're gonna want to have him on your team forever as long as you possibly can. And it seems like the Sabres are keeping Eichel on his on their team as long as they possibly can. Um But I I look at I look at those two players in a similar light 
their playing style might be a little bit different. I think there's a bit more playmaking to Eichel, whereas with Wright, you're getting more of a goal scorer. You know, he's got a gift of a shot. Like, it's one of those special shots that you really just love to watch. You know, maybe you'll end up with more of a Steven Stamkos-esque player, but maybe a bit more of that 200-foot game than, than a Stamkos. But that similar type of offense where it's just that shot is lethal from pretty much anywhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, as of right now, for Buffalo, Shane Wright's the guy. If that's the... But again, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I mean... Craig Anderson and Dustin Tokarski as your goaltending tandem kind of gives it away a little bit there, but I don't know. See, but the other hard part is like you just you just can't draft first overall over and over and over again and expect to get better, um, and you can't just have nobody on your team and expect to get better. I'll be very curious to see how the year goes for the Buffalo Sabres this year and how much of an impact this could have long-term. Um, especially with the young guys that are kind of being given the keys to the car, but also having the team ripped down all around them. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't, like, I'm trying to, you know, like I, I always think about these things and say, well, put yourself in the shoes of the players that are on that team that have been there a while, like Casey Middlestat or Rasmus Dahlin. Um, You know, put yourself in their shoes, right? Like you're playing on this awful team you were part of the rebuild. Um, you're you're part of the rebuild, and then you're be the team's being ripped down around you, and you're in another rebuild. And it's I don't know. It's a very very weird 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 spot. Um, but but Shane Wright is an extremely talented player, and I think it would be hard to mess that one up. But I'll knock on wood. Um, Thoughts on Paravalov? Yeah, I did track a game of Paravalov. I don't think the production quite lines up to reality. I mean, I have him in my first round, just barely. He's physical. He's strong. Not the highest paced guy, but he's really, really resilient. And I, I'm always curious of, of those types of players in the MHL because that league, the defensive pressure is very, very soft. And you can get away with a lot. And I think that Paravalov, like, I I could see him being a different flavor of that Alexander Kisikov style player where he's scoring a lot of points. And some people like him for what he is, but other people bring up question marks about, well, what happens past the MHL? You know, what happens when defensemen aren't literally gifting you zone entries? And what happens when defensemen don't shove you around and instead stick their stick in your zone of influence and try to rattle the puck off you without shoving you around and, and really sort of making your life a little more difficult. But at least Paravalov has the tendency to go into pressure situations and attack the defenseman and, and come out with the puck and make a play. So he was pretty quiet the game I tracked, but you could see flashes and I think there's something there. Um, but he's also on an absolutely ripping pace to start the year and I don't know if it really lines up to reality. Um, worst prospect pool. Well, uh, if we want to do this far too early in the year, this is my uh, $15 patron tier uh, paywall spreadsheet, which is basically all 31 teams um, and the prospects they've signed and drafted uh, and, their, and their prospect pyramids as they go on. 
Um, so right now, uh, <laughs> the Ottawa Senators are down at the bottom here. Um, but that's only because they've got uh, six guys that have played games so far this year. Uh, and one is Oliver Johansson, and he's pretty much on an island by himself. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. Like, the prospect pool that I think lacks the most... Boston comes to mind where, but they just haven't drafted a whole lot recently. I mean, I, I, I look at what Boston has and yes, they drafted Fabian Lysel and that's great. Um, and yes, Mason Lorai was a shot in the dark that scored a lot in the USHL last year. Um, but I just don't know what's, I, I have a hard time with them. I, I don't know, like looking down the list of guys that have played, I love Fabian Lysel. Riley Duran, I'm not super familiar with. Andre Gasso, I don't mind Andre Gasso, but again, I don't know about the upside there. Oscar Yelvik, I don't really know. Daniel Bukic, he's really old and playing in the second division in the Czech Republic. Like, that's negligible. I don't mind Matthias Montekivi, but, you know, he was a big upside swing, I think, and I think he's a bit of a long-term gamble, but again, kind of coming along slowly. There's just not a whole lot there. John Beecher, I like John Beecher a lot, but again, there that not a whole lot of real upside there. He's a he could be a good third or fourth line guy in the NHL, heavy physical player. I don't know, but again, it's the Bo- it's the Boston Bruins. Like they find gold pretty much anywhere. I mean, Jeremy Swayman, great example. Um so who knows, but uh they they're on paper they're not giving me a ton of confidence and haven't for a little while. Um, boom. Love seeing the Danila Yurov respect on your list. What's the best part of his game? Uh, the fact that it's kind of hard for me to come up with something right off the bat is a little bit troubling to me. Um, I mean, I, I, I've gotten more questions already about Danila Yurov, both privately and in public, than I can ever remember about anybody. Uh, why is he not playing? Why is he not doing this? Why are they not playing in very many minutes? Blah, 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 blah. Why is, why is this? Why is that? I just don't think he's been good enough in the KHL where a KHL coach can put him out there for enough minutes where he can score points. He's He's been treading water in the KHL, but he hasn't, I, I don't think he's been great. Like, he's passable. But I don't think KHL coaches who could get fired literally after a bad loss for no reason, um, I don't think they're particularly interested in guys who can who, who are 17 or 18 years old and can just tread water in the KHL. Um, especially if they're only playing six or seven minutes. I like Yurov's playmaking. I like his ability to move the puck up the ice with possession. He, he's a crafty passer. Um, he didn't touch the puck very much in the game that I was tracking, um, but he did get some shots away. He's got a really nice release on his shot as well. You know, he's got some good skill to step into more dangerous areas. But in the game I tracked, I believe it was only seven minutes, so grain of salt, but he wasn't involved in any defensive transitions. He was involved in a lot of offensive ones. Um and I need to double check. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. I need. Excuse me. The thing that he's doing, uh, the thing that I'm doing differently this year with my tracking is I'm splitting up transitions into types. 
So offensively, what we're going to have is the number of offensive transitions that are done with puck control, with receiving passes or sending passes. Um, and then defensively, we're going to be doing stick checks, uh, physical challenges, or just positioning. So if the player is just in the right place at the right time on offensive exits, but without them, the puck would be in no man's land, then that to me is, is, a, is, a, is a different sort of thing separate from the others. And I haven't incorporated that data into the machine, as I call it, just yet. But it'll be in there at some point this year. Uh, so don't fret. Probably within the next couple of streams. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like with Yurov, I want to see him. It would be great if I could see him in the VHL, right? Like the KHL, he can, he's fine. Um, but he doesn't really get the chance to showcase a whole lot of what he can do. Uh, just because... He's not playing a ton, and I don't know. The level of play is pretty much making it an even match for him, which is a good thing in a sense, but again, I get a lot of questions about Yurov, and when I watched him, I thought, yeah, like, I can see how he's too good for the Junior League, but but, but fine at the KHL level, and maybe he, he should be in the KHL, but thinking like a KHL coach, you know, there's he's he's fine. And I don't think they want fine. Um, love seeing the Danila. That was the question I just answered. Have you had a chance to watch Shakir Mukmuk this year? Shakir Mukamadula in this season? I have not. Uh, I have not seen Mukmuk. Uh, not yet. I don't think I've seen Liesel. Or not Liesel. I don't think I've seen Ufa play at all. Um, so unfortunately have not had the chance uh the pleasure to watch shikirukamadulin this year have you changed your opinion on ward uh matthias ward is it matthias matthew ward uh or am i still unsure about him e yeah I, I i've only watched him very very briefly i'll track him this year he's on the list to get tracked um again when you're five foot eight or whatever like i set the bar really high I like Logan Stankoven so much because he's five, even though he's five foot eight, I set my bar really, really high and he still blew it out of the water. He's, you know, like, I don't care how big you are, but if you are smaller, the bar is higher. That's just how it is. Um, and with Brendan and with, with Ward, uh, I've seen him like, I've seen him and he's fine. He's a good, skilled offensive player, but I want to see more before I before I give him that sort of Stankoven treatment because I don't think they're on the same level. Um, but I'll take a look at him before the end of the year, of course. Uh, Klimovich performed well and is playing in the AHL this season. Do you think he's going to be able to make that step? Um, I thought that the, the, the CHL was going to be the way to go with Klimovich. I didn't see any Vancouver preseason this year, um, but I heard good things about Klimovich. I would be, I'm still kind of shocked at how steep his development curve has been. Um, I do want to watch him in the, in, in, in the NHL preseason. I haven't been able to watch any tape back yet. And the, uh, on Instat, the tagging has been really slow and they haven't been able to get that in yet. Um, but I, you know, I will watch some Vancouver before the season starts. I, you know, there are things that Klimovich does have that I think are very high end, you know, that skill to step into dangerous areas and, and his shot quality is very, very good. Um, but I think the AHL is a perfectly fine landing spot for him. There's absolutely no reason to rush into the NHL, nor should he be rushed to the NHL. Uh, 
Um, why Marco Casper so low? Um, well, I think a lot of it comes down to there's a lot of guys that I like. And Marco Casper, I think, is a good player. Uh, but I just, the game I tracked of him, again, similar to Danila Yurov, at the SHL level, he was kind of there. He was fine. And there wasn't much that he was doing that I could say was particularly notable, but there wasn't anything particularly wrong. Um, you know, he's a he's a strong, good motor player, decent playmaker off the walls. He's got some good strength on his frame. Um, but I want to see more of him. I, I, I don't know really what I think of Marco Casper. And I would say the first 35, 36 names, 37 names on my list, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see what's there or at least what could be there. Whereas with Casper, I'm not as not as sold. Um, at least not yet. Um, I'd have to look. Like, I don't, I don't remember because I have a bad memory. Like, his data is okay. His passing data is, I would say, average for an SHL 17-year-old. You know, not a ton of shot attempts for himself. Um, the team as a whole didn't have that many shot attempts. Not a ton of pass attempts. You know, just overall kind of fine. Decent offensive transition data, but not great. Um, and I just, I came away kind of going, okay, cool, and just moving on. Um, not bad, but not 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 great um how much did nick robertson's 55 goal d plus one actually hurt him way too much way too many expectations on him now that he isn't tearing it up prospect development isn't linear his ceiling to you okay yeah this is why people need to remember like things happen slowly like nick robertson was at best in his draft year me i had him ranked at like 21 so even a 21st ranked player being pushing for an NHL spot two years after being drafted, right? 20. So he's had two years to develop. This is now his third year. Pushing to make the, 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 the team, like he would have been in the OHL under normal circumstances both last year and the year before, if I'm not mistaken. So this would be his AHL rookie season under normal circumstances, right? To me, if you've got a guy like Nick Robertson and this year the, is the year where you're going, uh, wait, yeah, and if this year is the first year where you're sort of sitting back and going, okay, like, maybe we give this guy a look in the NHL, that's one thing, but the, but it, it, people are really just going completely off the wall about Nick Robertson being sent down to the minors, like, I see Nick Robertson as a player that is not Cole Caulfield, but more Brendan Gallagher. Like, he's he's scoring goals in junior because his motor is unbelievable, and he has an unbelievable shot. He's got a great shot. He can find little pockets of space at the junior level and just rip it, and it goes in. Now he's facing NHL goaltenders and NHL defenses, and they are, you know, he's a player who has a motor... And he can be pretty quick in open ice, but in short little spurts at the NHL level, finding those little pockets of space for him is very difficult. You know, he, but to me, what really blew me away watching him in the preseason was, was his defensive game. He was causing turnovers 
every time he stepped on the ice. He was pressuring guys into making decisions they didn't want to make, causing turnovers, working hard, utilizing his line mates, like everything that you want out of a player that can just drive really good results. So I don't think Nick Robertson is going to be, you know, the next Austin Matthews scoring 40 goals a season in the NHL. I do think that he's going to be a player that at five on five, you might not get a ton of points out of him, but you're going to get great results. And on the power play, you can see maybe a bit more production. You know, you could park him on the sides and let him use his shot to his advantage. You could put him in the middle in in that bumper position in the middle to try to gain little quick chances under heavy pressure because he doesn't seem to care about being under heavy pressure. You know, there's a lot of things about Nick Robertson to really like, um, but people comparing him directly to like players who objectively are just not comparable, like Cole Caulfield or something, I think are out to lunch. I think in reality, you should be looking at Nick Robertson and saying, the Leafs lost Zach Hyman, but Nick Robertson is like kind of up the same alley and almost to a fault. So I I think that he could be that middle six winger who just drives really good results at both ends. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I've always been a huge fan of Nick Robertson and I, 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 I'm not, I'm not concerned whatsoever. It's like people who were concerned about Timothy Liljegren when he was 21, just because he had been in the AHL for three seasons. When in reality, that would have been in his AHL rookie season, you know, like two years from now, Nick Robertson will be in Timothy Liljegren's situation. So, like, don't fall into that trap just because the guy barely is 21, right? I think he barely is 21 years old. You know, Timothy Lidgren is now looking to be knocking Travis Dermott out of a job, and he probably should. He's a good player, and as a as a solid 200-foot defenseman, it, it, I could see it this year. Um, but yeah, Nick Robertson is doing just fine, I think, and and he's got some things to learn. But watching him in the preseason this year, I'm going, all right, like the offense isn't quite there as a 55 goal scorer might have, but the 200 foot game is more impressive than I was expecting and his ability to just pound guys and cause turnovers and, and just put his team in the right position to score points. That's really it. Um, Juracek or Salomonson, in my opinion, who's better. So whenever someone asks me a question about who is better, it my answer is always not what not about who's better because better is a very subjective term i think the two players are almost kind of mirror images of one another Juracek, i mean i tracked a game of Juracek and he was not very good um and i tracked a game of salamonson and he was not very good but they were both not very good for very different reasons with David Juracek, I saw a lot of the same defensive issues that I was seeing with Owen Power, um, like getting walked defensively, just not having the foot quickness to keep up and, and getting beaten wide. And, you know, a guy who comes advertised as a very physical player, but that really comes and goes. Um, he's undisciplined at times, taking some bad penalties and just not not put together the way that you would expect, but I could easily see NHL teams valuing him much higher than I have him. 
Um, with Salomonson, the first thing that I would say is that he's almost a year younger than Juracek, like a full year. Salomonson is one of the youngest players in the draft. And last year, you know, we saw Luke Hughes, who was one of the youngest players in the draft. And in my opinion, went undervalued somewhat because a lot of other players that went ahead of him or in that range were much older. Um... There were other reasons why he might have slipped, but the faults in his game, you in some cases have almost a year of extra runway to work on those faults. So with Salomonson, the reason I wasn't a huge fan of his game was because he wasn't doing much. He 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 has skill, he has agility, he has decent vision with the puck. And his passing data, like if you look at it on the surface, uh if I pull it up here. And this, again, is all just one game. I usually do one game per month for the whole year. So this is very early going. But you have a guy who finished 92% of his passes on 100 attempts per 60 minutes. That is extremely good on the surface, even for a defenseman where only 3% of his passes uh, were, were dangerous. Very few of his passes were dangerous. Um, or sorry, what? I might need to fix that. But uh, the point is, very few of his passes were dangerous, which is fine. Um, but the part that's concerning with Salomonson is that, yes, his transition data percentage, his control percentages were good at, at 85% offensively and zero defensively, but he wasn't doing anything. He was sitting back defensively more often than I expected. He was passing the puck to his D partner rather than looking for that offensive motion, like, a lot. Um his team controlled a lot of the possession, but he wasn't really doing a whole lot. So I think there's a lot of potential with Salomonson, but I mean, I remember watching the Champions League games with him. His first couple of games were rough. Then he had a pretty good one. I think it was against Berlin. And then it was another mediocre one. Um, so he's a player again, like kind of like Connor Geeky, where I'm sitting back and going, all right, there's a lot of interesting things here, but you know, like, Where's the confidence? Where's the, you know, like last year, Salomonson had like a 30% involvement percentage on a, as a defenseman on a 20 and under team. Where's that? You know, where's that offensive confidence that I just haven't seen out of him? Um, but they're, they're, so both of the players you mentioned are so far up and down, I would say. I mean, I like Juracek a little bit better in terms of projection because I have a better idea of what he kind of is already. You know, maybe that, like, Ryan Suter type two-way guy. Um, whereas with Elias Salomonson, it's like, yeah, he might he might be this, but I haven't seen it. He might be all of these things, I just haven't seen it. So, again, obviously not writing any of these guys off, and I still think that they're top talents in this year's draft, top 20. Um, but, yeah, just both weird question marks around those guys. Uh, my inner Leaf fan wants uh, Semyon Derogachinsev to succeed so badly, but doesn't have the separation gear a center kind of needs. Really, Dell, hope he does well. Again, another really young guy. I mean, he's a year later uh, than than Nick Robertson, I think. Uh, 2018 draft. Um, but he was always a shot in the dark. I mean, he might be that Dimitro Timoshov uh, type player where you just... You know, you see what he's capable of, but then in the NHL, it's just, it's really hard to do what he does in the NHL. I, I look at, I look at, at Durag and see a player who, you know, 
on the right on a on a progressive team where they're sitting back and going I could see a third line guy there that could play on the power play and and I know that NHL teams go you can't be 5 foot 9 and be a center playing on a third line in the NHL but if if any team is going to look at that comment and go why not it's the Toronto Maple Leafs you know and I I mean they put Alexander Kerfoot in that position and if maybe you have an, a Kerfoot style player which I could see out of Duragachinsev uh, then maybe there's something there. But the thing that is holding him back is that, again, similar to, in my opinion, um, Matthew Ward, I think it is Matthew, forgive me if I'm wrong, if that's what, that's, if that's what that barrier kind of is, it's really hard to overcome it and catch up to it. Um, but won't count him out, um, but he is coming along at his own pace, and there, I don't think there's any rush. What can you expect from Ratu and his D plus one year back in Carpot? Just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he, he's only played a game, I think. Um, I, I would like, you know, my thing with him has always been, he's a guy who I think just needs a, a light switch to turn on. You know, he's got all the potential in the world, but just can't put it all together. And, you know, like, it's hard because I'm just sitting here going, well, I just hope that switch gets flipped. Because I don't, I don't know. Like, he, he's got the skating. He's a, he's a mobile guy. He's skilled. He's, he puts himself in shooting position. It's just, I, the, the puck's got to go in the net more. You know, um, I hope he starts trying to, you know, maybe not bite off as much as he thinks he can chew in the Liga. Just settle in, play a simple possession game, and get to the net and cram in some nasty ones. I think he was underrated last year. Um, I know some teams didn't like him at all. I know some teams didn't even think they 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 put him on his D and D list, uh, or they put him on their D and D list. So I I don't know. I think Ratu, you know, his, I want something better, and I don't know. You know, it's kind of up to him because I know what he's capable. I've seen what he's capable of. But it's kind of up to him. And uh, I don't know. Just more put the dang puck in the dang net, I guess. The more I watch on Simon Nemish, the cooler I am on him, says Carter Chupa. He has nice offensive pop, but at times can struggle with gap control defending and can be poor on retrievals and turnover prone. What are your thoughts? I'm right up your alley. I mean, I've seen Simon Nemish. I watched two games of his in full and then tracked one. Because he's another one of those guys very quickly becoming one of those where I'm seeing a lot of hype and a lot of people dumping him in their top five. And even since last year, I remember going, okay, but why? You know, I look at the guys on defense that I have ahead of him and Seamus Seamus Casey, Ty Nelson, and Lane Hudson – uh, and even the other defensemen in the same tier, like David Juracek and Elias Salomonson. Like, I like him more than Salomonson. Like, I feel like he should, he is more of what Salomonson should be. But the thing with Nimish is, again, like, he is an offensive defenseman. I've seen a lot of people writing that he's a two-way guy, strong two-way instinct, strong this, strong that. The guy jumps into the offensive zone for no reason a lot. The guy jumps out of the defensive zone and chases breakouts a lot. Um, you know, I look at Simon Nemish as a guy who I think has, like you said, the offensive tools 
but I just don't think it's a top five level. Like I think about him versus Brant Clark at the same level. And I see a lot more creativity and pace out of his game in Brant Clark than Simon Nemish, but they're not far off. Um, but I still think that Nemish just gets pushed down behind a lot of other guys, especially forwards that I've really, really liked so far this season. I think the forward group this year is very strong, at least in that top 20. Um, and I think that just bumps Nemish down. Um, but yeah, I see a lot of the same things you're concerned about with for sure. Uh, I feel like Lakaramaki is more than a pure snipe that he's labeled. Do you agree? Yes, I agree. I think there, I think there's more to Lakaramaki than just shooting the puck. Um, you know, like he's got five assists in eight games. That's, that's not bad. You know, even if he had five goals and five assists, he'd still have 10 points in eight games and people, and, and he wouldn't be in that. Oh, he's scaring me because he's scoring more goals than assists territory. Like when I talk about that kind of thing, what scares me is guys who have like 40 goals and 20 assists in 60 games. But if you've got 80 goals and 50 assists in 60 games, I'm not super concerned. And Lakaramaki is on pace for 80 points almost in the, in the Swedish junior league. I doubt that's sustainable, but his team is also really good. So who knows? Um, but he is a great player. I, I think he's right up there, uh, in that, in the, he's in my top 20 and my top 20, I think is kind of separating themselves. Um, he's right on the cusp of that group for sure. Uh, but I also haven't tracked him yet. Unfortunately, he's one of the few I haven't looked at in that deep. <clears throat> is Alexander Pelevin hurt or is Torpedo just scratching him? He's been stuck at one KHL and four MHL games for a while. I think he's been a scratch in the KHL. Um, I tracked a P I tracked an MHL game of his. He's, he, sh you know, I watched a bit of him in the KHL preseason and I was hoping he would play for the KHL team this year in a sort of Shakir Mukamadulin, but better situation especially on a team like Nizhny Novgorod, who are not necessarily fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I, I really, really like Alexander Pelevin, and I thought, okay, as a defenseman, he's a step ahead of other people. He didn't score a ton of points in his MHL time, but he is a step ahead, I think, of a lot of other MHL defenders that I've seen. So I get the feeling, I think he was called up to the KHL, played a, played a game, and has been scratched since, I think. Um, Alex, hello. Uh, good to see me live again. Hello. Yes, I am live. This is not pre-recorded. Uh, what are we discussing today? I don't know. Whatever you want. So fire away. Uh, there's rumors LaSalle fell due to attitude concerns and things of that nature. You hear anything about that throughout the year? Um, yes and no. Yeah, yes. There were, th there were things... There were things that uh, I definitely heard... But nothing so bad that, like, you rip them off your list and throw them in the garbage at all, really. Um, the Like, I did hear that, like, he, he's a very different personality off the ice than his on-ice personality, which is very, uh, in like, he's very intense at both ends. He's very aggressive, very dependable. Uh, everything that you want to see out of a player... Um, but off the ice, you kind of don't really get that from him, uh, as a person, but, and, and I think teams were spooked because they see him as more of an individual rather than a guy focused on the team and whatever things can snowball. And again, like 
if he's the first guy you pick in the draft, if, if you have one first round pick, the guy that you call up on stage proverbially, hand the jersey, get the photo op, you want that player to be a, a what you believe to be a good example for the team, right? Like a vision of what the team is going to look like. And I know like Fabian Liesel is an extremely talented player. I watched his WHL debut game and he was banana. He was really good, like easily could have had three points in that. And the fact that he's playing with Justin Sordiff doesn't hurt, uh, who also has come along very nicely. But when I look at Liesel, I watch that game and I go, great. Um, and now I've lost my train of thought. Um, but, uh, oh, uh, but when I see that type of re- re- reputation, it's very difficult not to have him at, say, number two on your list at any given pick in the first round. You know, like it might have been that there were eight or ten GMs who were like, you know what? We don't want to draft him with our first round pick because we're scared of what if it goes wrong. But we could make him our first pick with our second round picks. And then we'd look like geniuses. And if it worked out, and if it didn't, we took a swing on the best player available. I think the Boston Bruins looked at that and goes... We need, they don't have anybody who's at Fabian Liesel's level and they're going to need somebody to carry the torch. And I get the feeling that with Fabian Liesel, like in a Bruins jersey and in the Bruins organization, he's not going to be able to mess around a whole lot. And I feel like the stuff, it'll either be removed from the game from him, it'll be removed from his personality or whatever, or whatever the, whatever the, the league or world seems to want uh, out of him in terms of him being better. I think they'll remove a lot from him. Um, but then, you know, either, and like Tyler Sagan, right? Like Tyler Sagan was a bit of a rough young player to manage in the NHL, but the talent was there. It was always there. And then he went to Dallas because Buffalo, or because Boston didn't feel like having him on the team anymore because he wasn't a Boston Bruin. Um, and he's been lighting it up for Dallas ever since. And if that's the trajectory for Fabian Sell's career, and you just take the bad with the good sometimes, and you just have to let him mature, fine. Um, but I think he's going to be just fine. Um, really liking the Stars draft now after seeing Johnston and Grushnikov play in the preseason. Hope they progress well. Yeah, I, I saw a bit of the Stars uh, prospect tournament, actually. Um, I liked Wyatt Johnston in that tournament. Uh, thought it was a risky pick where they picked him, but sure, go nuts. And Archim Grushnikov? Yeah, I mean, I really liked him, and he was probably one of the bigger wild cards in 2021. I really liked him in his D minus one. Um, kind of was surprised to not see him go back to Moscow at all during his draft year, but he was a wild card and a good one to take, in my opinion. The highest ranked guy on my list that I had not seen that had hadn't played because I really liked what he showed uh, the year before he was draft eligible. So that makes a lot of sense to me that that you like him because they're pretty good players. Um, and Maverick Bork and Logan Stankoven are both studs. That's true. Um, what do you think Matthew Savoy could be in the NHL? A really good puck transporter up the ice and a really clever playmaker. Like there's dual threat offense with Matthew Savoy. The game I tracked, I don't think he shot the puck once, but there's a lot of dangerous passing with his game. A lot of shot assists, a lot of creating for others in the offensive zone. And I've seen him shoot the puck and it looks really cool too. Um, so hopefully there's more of that in the future, but really good puck transporter. I see him as more of an offensive quarterback, um, who can score. And I think that, you know, like 
he's a top five pick to me. And I, I, I'm surprised to see how many people have him outside the top five. Um, but he's in there for me. And I, it would take a lot for me to knock him out at the top six, I would say for sure. Uh, Michael Berry, yo, scorching. Oh, hey, his haircut is scorching. I'll tell you what, actually, not quite right. Whatever. Um, what up? Not much. Just, just chilling, chilling with the, with the gang. 34 viewers tonight, 35, including Twitch. Uh, but it's the first one of the year. Uh, totally, totally cool that it's a little bit slow to start the year, especially with preseason going on and how many people are excited about preseason. Uh, for some reason, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Will, what a name you've got there, bud. Uh, I'm late to the party, so you've most likely talked about him already, but what are your thoughts on Puck Holes and start to the season? Honestly, again, haven't watched a ton of NHL preseason. Uh, I wouldn't be, I would be surprised to not see him at least crack the Vancouver roster. Like that's a guy where if he's playing bottom six minutes to start the year, uh, I'm not too cut up about it. Uh, let's see if he's playing tonight. I'll put on the game after this is over and maybe watch that. He is playing. All right. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, maybe we'll do that right now. So I don't forget because I will definitely forget because I forget everything all the time because I watched too much television as a child. Um, Okay. Uh, do you think Logan Cooley has better upside than Dylan Cousins? I didn't... Uh, I See, I wasn't as intense the year Dylan Cousins was drafted with the tracking work. I do think Logan Cooley is a hell of a hockey player, and I do like him a lot. Dylan Cousins always gave me funny feelings when he was draft eligible, and Logan Cooley does not. So let's just say for now, I do like Logan Cooley better than Dylan Cousins. Uh, do you think Kamel can keep up this goal scoring pace all year long? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so, but it would be great if he did. I mean, I think that the production doesn't quite line up with what he's doing. Like that is a point and a half per game, a 67 point pace in the, in the, uh, finish league is unparalleled for literally, literally anybody. Sorry. I have the hiccups tonight for some. I don't think there's ever been a Finnish player, at least in this millennium, that has scored that many points in a year, 67 points. I think it's happened, but it, that, that like is Joaquin Kamel, is, is Joachim, 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 is, hey, is Kamel the best player to ever play in the Liga in this millennium? That seems a little bit hard to believe. And I've tracked both him and Lambert. Like, it's, again, it's only been one game, but these were different games. So we'll put Brad Lambert on one side, and we'll put Joachim Kamel on the other. So as it stands right now, you've got a player who... Yeah, as it stands right now, you've got players who are identical when it comes to dangerous shot attempt generation. Um, but Brad Lambert kind of does have him, had him beat in two different games, uh, tracked individually in a number of different categories, generating more offense, but Kamel was better defensively. Um, Lambert is passing the puck more, completing more passes. Lambert has more shot assists. He's creating more shot attempts for his team. Um, more of his shot attempts are coming from dangerous areas. Kamel was shooting from everywhere when I, when I watched him and just putting pucks on net. Uh, whereas Lambert seems to be getting inside a lot more and attacking the middle of the ice a lot more. 
Um, I like Lambert's transition ability offensively with the puck on his own stick. It's really impressive. Um, you know, he's more efficient in offensive transitions. So it's not, you know, I'm not saying what Joakim Kamel is bad. Um, but I am saying that Brad Lambert is a more active player. There's more offense that I think has just not happened for him yet. There were multiple situations so far this season where he could easily, if a bounce went his way or a teammate got a puck on the stick, the puck's going in the net and he's got an assist or a goal. Um, so I'm, I'm diamond handsing Brad Lambert, even if he's only got what one point through eight games. Uh, I'm still a big fan. And with, with Kamel, I mean, he's at 13 on my list. Um, but I could easily see him moving up a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, again, could he move ahead of Slavkovsky? Yeah, I could see that. But guys like Isaac Howard, Frank Nazar, Seamus Casey, Gleb Trikazov, Noah Oslin, like that's a, that's a tough hill to climb right now for me. Um, uh, da, 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 da. How do you think LaSalle will do in the WHL? Well, he's already doing spectacularly well. Um, I like him a lot in the WHL. It should be a league where he has a ton of success. He, again, the thing with him isn't just the offense. Like this, the, the, the 200 foot game he brings is tremendous. Um, the WHL, you know, I feel like even then he's a little bit of a high paced player for even the, uh, WHL and he can catch guys by surprise, you know, doing what the, doing the thing. And he's a really talented player. Works extremely well with a guy like, like, uh, like Justin Surtif as well. So, I have high hopes for LaSalle and the game I watched, he was great. And I, I, I mean, it was against Victoria who were really bad. Um, but, but he looked really, really good. Um, David DeGerdner. Hello. Good to see you back. Good to see you as well. Uh, who is in the lead for the small King of 2022? What about big pylon? <laughs> uh, all guys that could be the Kings for this year. I mean, I'm still, he's not the smallest guy, but Tyler Duke is still a guy where I haven't seen him ranked anywhere. And I'm still a huge fan of him. And if he keeps going undervalued because he's only got one point through six games, that's a big one. Ty Nelson could be another big one. I just saw someone ask a question about Ty Nelson. Um, I'm very curious to watch him this year. He's super, super talented. Uh, a lot to like about his game. Um, but again, hasn't played since March of, 2018 like 2018 and that was before the ohl so who knows um justin cote could be a lot of fun to watch i'm not sure how much upside there is in his game but he could be a fun one to watch for sure especially if his skill level gets a little bit better he's also pretty young for the draft class um lane hudson would be another one i i would say hudson is probably the closest thing so far um I like Ilya Kvochko over in Magnitogorsk as well. Um, but Justin Cote probably will be the most fun five foot six guy with Lane Hudson a close second. And personally, my favorite so far has been Tyler Duke. Uh, and Big Pylon was your second part of the question. Ooh. Uh, see, that's tough. Because it's also so early in the year. You don't want to say, oh, this guy's a pylon and does not, doesn't do much. Um, Maybe Maverick Lamaru, but but like he's not bad. I don't I don't dislike Maverick Lamaru. I've got him ranked right now, but like way down my list. Um But in terms of defensive game, it's kinda there. 
but he is a pretty big clunky dude uh and you can't hide from that so maybe him david yurichek also comes to to mind leon bichelle as well but you know yurichek plays at the czech pro league and bichelle has been playing in the shl so if you're a big pylon up at those levels and not terrible that's one thing. I mean, Juracek, the game I tracked, his numbers were terrible, but he hasn't objectively been terrible throughout the entire year um, from what I've seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no... I mean, if you're looking for the Shakir Mukamadulin or, or Roman Schmidt this year, I haven't seen one. Uh, Are you going to monitor OHLers that were drafted but you didn't see last year? Um, I'll keep an eye on them, but they won't be a prime focus. There's only so many hours in the day for me to work on this. Um, I'll monitor OHLers that were not drafted and and are still eligible. I'll certainly see that. Um, but yeah, not sure, not sure. Definitely, but I'll keep I'll keep an eye out. Um, and they'll be in the big tracking list for the year, um, but but nothing nothing too intense right off the bat. Uh, Kyle, hello, Kyle. What is your mo? Ooh, sorry, I think I need a glass of water here. I need a drink of water. What's the most scathing criticism you can give Connor Geeky's game at this current moment? He seems like he has a great he has great potential but isn't always on full motor. That's probably it. Is he's a big guy who can have some speed to him. Does have that vision that I was talking about. Once he's in the offensive zone, look out. But I get the feeling that once everyone else around him gets better and and more confident around him and and more experienced that they can handle him, I wonder about the limits that are going to be on his game. He's not extremely quick for a guy his size. His skill level is not particularly great. He's a good puck protector, but that only goes so far. Um, and if he's not playing with intensity and that size and puck protection, I wonder if it's going to come. It probably will, um, but that's, that, is a, that is a bit of a risk in his game. And that is the thing that's holding me back from having him up in the mid-first round, which is where most people seem to have him right now. But... I think it's without a question that he's a first round pick. Um, like I have him about as low as I'm comfortable putting him. Like the guys beneath him, Cutter Gauthier, Peravalov, Kovochko, Odelius, Kote, Bisted. I like Geeky a, a, pretty significantly more than most of those guys. Maybe we'll see on Gauthier and Kovochko and Odelius, but Geeky above a guy like Justin Kote, I could easily see in terms of projection. Um, and I could see Geeky going in, in my list as high as 5, 24, maybe, um, somewhere in there. And that's as of October 7th, and lots can change by the end of the year. Um, who's your favorite person in management, either general manager, coaches, or scouts? I love Rod Brindamore. Um, I think Rod Brindamore brings a lot of really good things to the table. Uh, who else comes to mind? Um, do, 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 do. um there are also people who i actually have personal relationships with that i do really look up to but i won't mention them by name um so there are people who i talk to a lot that are in the league and, and around and and they do 
they're all really great to talk to because they usually find me and and are genuinely interested in the work that I do and they also sort of help along the way and provide some insight for me to be helped with and I respect that a ton um and I look up to those people no matter what no matter how critical or supportive they are I always look up to those people but I won't mention them by name and but but of the ones that I haven't met that I just from what I've seen publicly that I really really like um what I've seen of Rod Brindamore, I I love. I I'd run through a wall for him, and he'd probably make me. Um. You know, I I I liked. I have a whole whack more respect for Sheldon Keefe. Not that I didn't before, but after watching All or Nothing, you get a really good insight into that. Bruce Boudreaux is another one. Like there are coaches where, you know, I'm always really, uh. I don't know if inspired is the right word, but I'm always engaged when an NHL coach, like a good NHL coach is dialed into his team and understands what's going on and com- and how they communicate to their players, both good and bad. Um, and just seeing that always kind of inspires me and, and guys like that always, always stick out. Um, you know, I also I also really look up to Haley Wickenheiser as well, a, a woman I've been watching play hockey since I was little, and someone who's been breaking barriers constantly and sort of was a trailblazer that helped make women's hockey kind of what it is, um, especially in Canada. And now that she's working with the Leafs and, you know, she's had much more of a front-facing role and talking about development and you know, like I found her insights on Nick Robertson really interesting and a lot of other guys that, that she had things to say really, really inter- interesting. Um, but you would expect that. She's a Hall of Famer. She's one of the greatest women's hockey players to ever play. But I always really, really like listening to what she has to say when she's talking shop. Um, who else? I'm trying to think of others off the top of my head. Um, yeah, those are those are some good ones. Surprised to see Trikazov so high. What do you see in him? High pace, high skill, really, really good shot. Uh, 200-foot game. There's a lot to like about Trikazov. He's another one of those guys where, again, he's also very, very young. Um, like, I came away more impressed after watching Trikazov and tracking him for a game than I was with Fyodor Svechkov, for example. Uh, really, really liked Fyodor Svechkov last year, but I look at Trikazov and go, yeah, this guy's pretty freaking good. And I wouldn't want him in the in the MHL either if I was Omsk. And they have every reason to load up their MHL team. But he deserves a spot on that team uh, to play with Moroshnashenko. And while he's not scoring like Moroshnashenko, he does. He looks like he belongs there. And I I think that you know the data I tracked on him in that game, the shot data was pretty bad. His team got caved in a little bit. But I think that there's a ton of potential with his game. He he moves quickly. He's great laterally on his edges. You know, his crossovers to move laterally are great. His skill is great. He can move and find little pockets of space and make plays really well. Um, Really impressive player against men already. And he's almost a 2023 eligible player, which to me sounds pretty good. Um, Do Juracek and Nemish bring cause of concern due to lack of high-end Slovak and Czech defensemen in the NHL? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, there are such a thing as Slovakian and Czech defensemen who work. Like, Zdeno Chara was a good one. Um, you know, Marek Zidlicki has been a good Czechoslovakian defenseman. Or not, He's not playing anymore, but 
that's one that flies under the radar a lot. Um, like those guys always kind of have guys that kind of fly under the radar. Again, I don't think Juracek or Nemish are going to be like Norris caliber defensemen. I don't, I don't think they're on that level, but you know, they're good. And I think, you know, like I, I think that guys who play pro anywhere in the world when they're 17 within reason, I think are worth are, are notable not very many defensemen at 17 or 18 years old are playing solid minutes in, in a European pro league that really matters. Um, and Slovakia is one of those leagues. The Czech Republic is one of those leagues. You know, Slovakia is not particularly great. And I do think Nemish is a little bit too intense with the top five pretty much across the board in my listings, or at least top 10. Um, you know, I, I, I don't see that much concern. I mean, and I also look at the players for what they are and what they present on the ice against men. And, you know, again, I think Juracek is, again, another guy who mid-first seems reasonable. Um, I, th- I think it's just perfectly reasonable. I think, I think hyping those guys way to the top five, top ten range is a little bit intense for me. Um, but, yeah, and again, I, I think in the Slovakian League especially, there are things that you could get away with, you know, like Nemish doesn't get burned for chasing offense as much as he does, as much as he might in the NHL or something. Uh, and you hope he can figure it out and learn. But again, like with that, it's like with someone like Nemish, how much of the benefits of his game are from him chasing offense? Because if he's chasing offense so often that it's going to need to be reined in a little bit, which in my opinion, it will, if he, if he reins it in, how much of an effective player is he going to be? because he's going to be forced to play defensively more often, which he isn't super comfortable doing right now. So, you know, if you use a top five pick on a guy where you know your development pathway is going to be all right, we know he can't play this cowboy hockey as much in the NHL. Maybe he's not going to be as productive then, though. You know, like, is is that an issue? To some, maybe no, right? But to some, maybe yes. Um... But in terms of by virtue of them playing in those leagues, I don't I don't see it's necessarily a cause for concern. Plenty of really good players in general have come out of the, the Czech League especially. And Slovakia is going into a bit of a golden generation right now with both this year and next year's group all looking really promising. How did I rate Rasmus Dahlin? Uh, first overall, no question. Uh, I thought he was a tremendous defenseman. Um, I still think he's a tremendous defenseman, but... He's got to go through some sort of rehabilitation in his game. I don't know. Uh, seems like a bad year for the QMJHL again, says David DeGerdner. Um, Let's see who I've got here. I have nobody from the Q in my first round. I know people like Nathan Gaucher. I haven't seen him this year yet, and I didn't see much last year that I liked a ton. Justin Cote is just outside my first round. Tristan Luneau is just outside my first round. Antonin Vero could end up in my first round, but he's just outside it as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's no one. Marcus Vidicek is a guy that I could see moving up my list quite a bit. I like him. Um, we'll see about Maverick Lamaru, but eh. it's, yeah, it is a bit slim pickings. I will agree with you on that, but such is life sometimes. Apparently Darlene is a bust and you said power sucks. So you might as well never watch Sabres again. I would not be calling Rasmus Dahlin a bust. Uh, certainly not. Um, and I said Owen Power sucks. I didn't say Owen Power sucks. I, I had Owen Power in my top 10. 
I just didn't have Owen Power at first overall, and anointing him as a top pair guy seemed nuts to me. Um, so just to talk you off a ledge a little bit there, friend, not that bad. Um, I wouldn't worry about Darlene. Like, Darlene is, what, 21 now? Don't worry. It's okay. You, I mean, the only thing you can do is hope and pray that there's better days ahead for the Buffalo Sabres. Hope and pray. That's that's it at this point. Um, so now Cousins is a bust along with Darlene in power. I'm sure Jack Quinn probably sucks too. Well, uh, Dylan Cousins probably wouldn't have been the guy that I would have picked at that slot. Jack Quinn definitely would not have been the guy that I picked at that slot. But maybe that's the reason I'm sitting in the basement and not working for an NHL team. Um, you never know. You never know. Uh, who's the third round zippy boy this year? I bet Justin Cote is going to slip into the third round because he's five foot six. Uh, so that would be fun. That's the first one that comes to mind. Um, I mean, Tyler Duke hasn't been ranked in the first round ever. So maybe if he starts slipping, like he might be the David, the David Ference for this year, but I don't know. I've learned very quickly over the last few years to just make my own list for my own self and my own reasoning. Um, and, uh, I really like him. And, uh, if he's a guy that keeps not being ranked relatively highly, uh, I will, you know, I'll diamond hands that. And if he's available in the third round, he could be another fun one. Um, Max Nemesnikov might be a guy that slips to that range. Antonin Vero, maybe. Vladimir Grudinin is a defenseman who can skate pretty well. And maybe he's a guy that you could get later than the second round. There's a few. There's a few. And they're always available later. Uh, thoughts on Big Rush and Kirill Dozhenkov. I don't know why people are hyping, hyping him so much already. He's scored like three goals and that's it in the MHL as a six foot seven player. I don't have him ranked. Um, I don't expect my, I don't expect I will. I've seen uh, Krasnia Armia play a few times this year already to track Archam Duda and Vladimir Grudinin. And in both of those games, I thought Dolzhenkov kind of just was a guy. And he can really shoot, and he's got some good edge work, and he can sort of spin quickly and get some quick shots off from around the ice for a big guy, which is impressive. Um, but uh, I don't know. I need to see more. I need to see more of him before I really go over the moon about him. I'm not totally sold. I, I don't know. He's been kind of a guy to me. Uh, which is unfortunate because, I mean, he's got some skill for a six foot seven guy, sure, but I'm not sure there's much there, really. Um, thoughts on Ty Nelson? I haven't seen him play in the OHL ever. The only time I've seen Ty Nelson play was at the Youth Olympics, and I thought he was great. Uh, and same thing with Justin Cote. Like, they were flying out there. They, they, he, he's a great skater, really, really skilled, great puck manager. Um, I'm excited to watch him in the OHL. I don't have any detailed thoughts on him because he played his first OHL game tonight. Um, but he will be tracked, and I imagine he'll get a video later this year. Um, bu -bu 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 -bu. Who's the guy you're really high on that you haven't seen many people mention? That's Tyler Duke. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I know he's only scored one point this year, and his defense partner has five. Um, but... I don't know. I, he's he's so mobile. He's so responsible defensively. He's so great with his stick. He makes such quick passing decisions, getting pucks out of danger. 
you know, he's one of these five foot nine guys where, and he's got offensive tools. Like he scored one point, but I think there's more offense to give, but he's one of those guys who's five foot nine. So it's easy for people to go. Yeah. Well, then he sucks defensively, but then you look at how mobile he is and how quick he is on his feet and how quickly he can cover those distances and make an impact and I'm going, well, I don't care how big he is because of how he plays. Like, he's just so mobile and quick and careful with his stick that I don't care. He still gets the job done. Um, and then he gets the puck out of danger really quickly. Uh, you know, really, really smart player, too. He doesn't skate one on. He doesn't skate into one-on-fours. He'll double back, survey the ice again, scan for other options, and, and make the safe play rather than the, the, the silly one. And I respect that a lot out of him because he has the skill and the tenacity to probably go after guys one-on-four, but I don't think he's good enough to get through a one-on-four even at the USHL level. Not very many people are, to be honest. But he is a guy that I have not heard very much said about, and I'm still a huge fan of him. I've I've got him at 21 on my list. Um, I don't know if he's going to end up much higher, but certainly in my view a guy that i could see taking in the first round i i could easily see that but beyond that yeah i mean i i would take a swing on him for sure and that that's it's still only october but i've seen tyler duke play quite a bit and uh i i've been impressed um have you seen anything from jeremy Longlois? no i have not unfortunately not yet Lam- Lambert versus Eklund comparison. That's a very good question. Um, so, again, I only have a couple of games of sample for Lambert. One game, one game tracked and the rest I've just watched. Um, what I see out of Lambert is more quickness. I see more pure speed out of Lambert. There's more, I think there's more agility with Eklund, but I see more speed with Lambert and more confidence, I guess you could say. Eklund is a great perimeter, intelligent puck mover, 200-foot effort. I don't see the same 200-foot effort out of Lambert yet, but it's not like he doesn't care. He's involved, it's just not the same work rate. His, but But if you get the puck in the defensive end and give it to Lambert, you're going to get it in the offensive zone. And the same can be said for Eklund, but it requires the help of others. Whereas with Lambert, you know, like in my video with Eklund, I said, look, I don't think Eklund on his own is going to transform your franchise. But you pair him with a good center, you know, like a guy who can finish or a guy who can transport the puck up the ice with William Eklund, then I think you're laughing. And... You know, like if San Jose sucks this year and they add Brad Lambert on top of William Eklund, that would be a perfect thing because I think they kind of complement each other pretty well. They both have tons of speed, but I think Lambert has that offensive rush quarterback ability um, and Eklund has a, a bit of fearlessness along the boards and Lambert has a bit of fearlessness in open ice. So I think that there's a lot to like with both of them. I, I mean, if I, I know this question's going to get asked at some point, whether it's now or in the next couple of streams, but, like, if I had to put Eklund somewhere in this year's draft class, like, assuming Beneers is in there too, like, Beneers, and, Beneers probably goes at number four or five on my list, ahead or behind Logan Cooley, and, and, and William Eklund probably goes 
ahead of Moroshnashenko, if not neck and neck with him, probably ahead. Um, at, 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 I believe that would put him at six. So they're both really, really good players, but I still think that Lambert has a bit of an edge in terms of driving offensive transitions with control, you know, driving up with speed, playing with confidence in the middle of the ice, quickly making plays to the inside rather than Eklund who surveys the ice a little bit more, you know, waits for something to present itself a little bit more. Um, Lambert just has a bit more of that intensity and, and, and you may call it a lack of patience, but he just tries to make plays. And I, I like that about him. Uh, who's the best goalie in this year's draft from Ryan? Um, I mean, I'd say Tyler Brennan, maybe Sergei Ivanov. Um, but maybe Tyler Brennan is that type of guy. Oh, Pud Colson almost had a goal there. That's neat. Oh, and Mike Smith is down. Mike Smith is down and he's, yeah, he's down. Yikes. Miko Koskinen, it's your time to shine. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I would say Tyler Bren Brennan right now. You don't look at his save percentage right now, but. Um, thoughts on Daniil Burosh. Oh God, that's a name I've never. See, we're still in the phase of the year where people are sending me names and I've never heard of them. Uh, we'll check them out. Um, what are the odds that Savoy overtakes Lambert for second overall? It's not impossible. I mean, I, I haven't really been as impressed with Maroshnashenko as I have with Savoy and Lambert yet. And I, I have Logan Cooley ahead. Um, ooh, geez. Um, I have Logan Cooley ahead. Uh, oh, is that a knee to the head? Is that what that is? I thought it was Mike Smith's groin, but I thought it was a, it looks like a knee to the head from Pod Colson there. Some kind of accident, but that's what Pod Colson do. That's what he does. He goes to the net. Um, you know, I, I did come away more impressed with Maroshnashenko or that with Lambert and Savoy. I came away more impressed with Lambert than Savoy in the game I watched. But again, that's kind of being very picky. Um, they're very close. And Logan Cooley, I just really have liked a lot every time I've seen him. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that those guys are kind of up there. Um, but it's not impossible that we see Savoy going second overall for sure, um, especially because Lambert doesn't have necessarily the production. Uh, are you surprised Eklund is looking like he'll make the Sharks? Um, pleasantly, yes. I'm pleasantly surprised. Um. I'm I'm not surprised that he's good enough to hang on a team like the the Sharks, but I am pleasantly surprised that they're giving him a chance right away. I mean, I thought one more year in the SHL to come back from his sort of rough second half might be necessary, but uh, it doesn't seem like that's the case. I mean, that was just a speculation on my part. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case with him. So I think he's doing just fine, uh, and I'm I'm excited to see him with with the with that with that team as well. Um, if, if that is where he, where he makes, where he, where he lands. Um, to Matthias Hovlid thoughts at all. Honestly, I haven't tracked him yet. I've been kind of disappointed with him whenever I've seen him this year, though. A guy where I think you've got skating and right now that's about it, but I will be tracking him before next week. So you can ask that question again next week. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I'll know more next week for sure. 
I really liked Healy. Ryan Healy, is that it? Yeah, Ryan Healy at the Holinka. What do you think of him? I really like Ryan Healy, a guy who kind of can skate well, kind of like Havlid, but maybe more responsible defensively. He's a USHL guy that I'll have my eye on on defense. The other one is Aiden Dubinsky for Tri-City, who I've liked as well. Um, Healy hasn't played yet for Sioux Falls this year. I don't even know if Sioux Falls played, but he hasn't played. But I like him. Uh, I, I like him a lot. Um, but I can't tell you exactly why. He's just a really responsible, safe guy who can skate well from what I've Um Thoughts on the Russian defensemen, Koromislav, uh, Duda, Barabosha, and Kudryavtsev. So of all of those, I like Kudryavtsev. The one you didn't mention is Grudinin, who I've liked. Also, Josh, happy birthday tomorrow, man. Well, you're always a, a treasured member of these streams in this community, so thank you very much, and uh, hope you have a great day tomorrow. It's also Friday. Uh, not sure if you're Canadian, but happy Thanksgiving. And to any other Canadians in the room, happy Thanksgiving. Um... To get back to Dayton's question, uh, I like of that group, Kirill Kudryavsev. I like Vladimir Grudinin for his skating and mobility, but I'm not sure there's enough there to really project to the NHL yet, but we'll see. Um, Karomi Slav is a guy that I'll be tracking before next week, so I can't really tell you a ton on him. And Barabusha, Barabusha I haven't seen yet, um, so I will save him as well for a name later. Archambara Bosha. Oh, I think I recognize this guy. I think I saw him in the game today. Yeah, he caught my eye once in the game today. So maybe I'll take a deeper look at him down the road. Um, sure. Okay, next. Uh, were you high on Jakob Zborl and Urho Vakanainen during their draft years? Are you surprised they didn't pan out? Uh, that was 2017, right? Let's go back to this is on the old website. Oh boy, here we go. Um, so I had Vakaninen at 26, and I don't know. Well, Jakob Zaborl was 2015. I didn't have a list in 20. I had Vakaninen at 26. Um, you know, I don't. He wouldn't have been my pick. You know, like I really liked Connor Timmins that year. What what pick was he picked at? So. Looking at Vakaninen. Come on. So he was picked 18th overall. And who was left on the board? Like, uh, who did I have? Um, yeah, like, Kaylor Yamamoto, Jason Robertson was still on the board. Connor Timmins was still on the board. Uh, Nick Haig was still on the board, and I liked Nick Haig. Um, Ely Tolvanen, but in retrospect, that was me being dumb. Um, he wouldn't have been my pick, and I thought it was a, it was it was the bad kind of safe pick, especially that high in the draft for me, uh, with Vakaninen. But such is life; sometimes that just happens. And with Zaboral, I was surprised. I, I I mean, with both of those guys, I'm not really surprised that they're struggling. Like, they're just big guys who were safe and responsible defensively at levels that aren't the NHL. And there's a lot of uphill to climb to get to the NHL, especially with a first-round pick like that. You know, it's tough. They're not done yet. Vakaninen's still relatively young-ish. Zaboral, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, looking back, I'm not particularly surprised. And it does, especially Vakaninen, since I was familiar with him. Um, 
gives me a bit of, you know, things to think about. Um, I know you probably get this a lot, but you have to, have you ever seen a prospect like Connor Bedard, and what do you think about him? Um, have I ever seen a player like Connor Bedard? I don't think I've seen a player at 16 years old who's as smart and savvy as Bedard. I don't think Bedard is as much of like a burner as a as a as a um as a as a Connor McDavid. And I also don't think he's as complete a player in all around as Sidney Crosby. But I do see an extremely complete offensive player there. Um who is no slouch defensively. He's not bad defensively either. But he is a bit small, and that does hold him back a little bit defensively. But his offensive game is bananas. Like, with the puck on his stick, just shut up, pack up your stuff, and go home. Um, and I'm trying to think of a player like that in the past that is that good with all that stuff. Um, you know, like, even thinking about a guy like uh, Jack Hughes, like, he was a burner. You know, more of that Connor McDavid-style McDavid dominant player. Um, but, but, but Bedard is more of a skill and smarts kind of guy. Like he kind of tricks you a lot and baits you places and plays with your mind when you're playing against him. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm thinking of all of them, like maybe like a better Nico Heischer kind of thing. I don't know. Like, but he's got that kind of a game to him. God only knows what developments are going to come to his skating and, and everything in the next year, though. Like, holy smokes. Um, Yeah, Raybro just mentioned Mitch Marner. Yeah, maybe there's a Mitch Marner there, too, potentially. Um, I could see that. Out of the defensemen you've tracked so far in October, who has power play potential? I say guys like Chesley and Nelson. Um, Seamus Casey, Ty Nelson for sure. Lane Hudson. I don't know about Chesley. I think Chesley's more of a two-way, more defensive-leaning guy right now, but maybe that was just the game I tracked. Thoughts on the Oslin, Lakaramaki, and Ogren duo? Great all around. Um, I wish there was more video available on them. It seems to be extremely slow. Um, I, at some point, I'll just take what I can get and track what I can of them, but I don't know what's going on, but it's been very slow getting tape out of Sweden and Finland this year. So we'll see. Um, but I love all three of those guys a lot. I've seen Ugren in the SHL and thought he looked pretty good. Lakaramaki at the Holinka was awesome, I thought. And Usland at the Holinka wasn't great, but has been great since at the at the junior level. Uh, we have a Twitch question here. What's this? How can I make this go away? I chat. Nope. Didn't want that to go away entirely. Oh well. Uh how do I bring that back? All right. Well, lost that. Sorry, whoever that was. Um, dang. <laughs> Click the X and it disappears forever. Okay. Uh, never mind. Um, if you had to rank the last first overall picks during the period you've tracked... Um, and watch them attentively. Where would you rank Shane Wright, assuming he goes first? Um, well, let's pull up a list. Um, 
So you've got last let's so the, the year I started like looking at players and and paying attention was 2016. Um, Austin Matthews, Nico Heischer, Rasmus Dahlin, Jack Hughes, Lafreniere, Power, and now most likely Shane Wright. So right away you can probably put Power at the bottom. So six, seven, eight, nine, twenty. 21, 22. So that's seven guys we're going to need to rank. So seven, I would put power. Uh, six, I would put Ishir reluctantly. Five, we'll say Hughes. Four, Lafreniere. Three, Darlene. Two, Wright, maybe. I'd say Darlene and Wright are really close and Lafreniere too. Um, and then Austin Matthews at number one, I think. I think Austin, of all those guys, I'd rather, of all of those players, I'm taking Austin Matthews. And if I had to pick between all of those players and Shane Wright, um, if I'm looking at a 17-year-old version of Shane of, of Austin Matthews, maybe, then maybe I go with Shane Wright, but, but I'll take what's right in front of me uh, and see Austin Matthews. Like, he could score 60 goals this year. Uh, so yeah, I'll take that. Um, I'll take that, but it's a good question. Uh, but I'd say that Wright is maybe two or three in there with Darlene in that Darlene Lafreniere tier. And maybe, maybe in retrospect, he could push Matthews, but, but again, it's hard because you've got a pretty long runway of tra a track record to watch Austin Matthews play hockey. Um, Okay. Uh, what are your goals for the channel this year? Do you foresee leaving YouTube any time to pursue this or for a different site or for a team? Um, hmm. I mean, it's something I've thought about a lot. Um, I mean, one of my goals is to offload the editing work. That's the biggest thing for me right now. Um, there's a couple of things I want to do. So one, I do want to engage with some sort of independent software developer to see if there's something I can build that I can license for tracking games manually. I know there's some out there that already exist that are more enterprise solutions, but I would like to have something that is like a subscription fee that you can pay for. And it's like an app that tethers to a web app that, you know, you can track data, put it into database and, and manage it all yourself. Um, I would love to do that. But that's like a long-term thing, and I need to find the right person to talk to about that, the right person who can understand what the goals are of the project and what needs what it needs to do. Um, and I don't even know really where to start with that. I'm just a guy. Um, but the big thing for the channel, you know, like my focus isn't necessarily to make a lot of YouTube content. And I know that that's how YouTube rewards you. Like they reward you if you make more content. But it takes up a lot of time and... I work on this part-time. Like, I have a 9-to-5 job. I'm here at night. Um, and I track a lot of games, like, in between, you know, on my lunch break, I'll track a game or two. After my work shift, before dinner, I'll track a game. Some days I'll wake up and track. Like, it, it, it's whenever I can squeeze it in. So editing more videos on top of all that, when my bread and butter is the data and doing these live streams and talking to you and all this stuff, like, it's a lot to juggle all at once. So if I can just have an editor that I trust who's better at, than edit, than, at editing than myself that that can make something that's much more professional looking, 
um, and can actually like talk the talk with me and like suggest ideas that they might want to see, I'm all for it. And that's something that I do want to do more of. Um, you know, but again, like obviously the ultimate goal, like I would love to put my money where my mouth is and, and help a team win. That's what I want to do. It would be nice. Um, but the other thing too, is that my role at McKean's now being part of a new department in video with Sam McGilligan and Greg Revac, who should, you should both follow on, 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 who you should all follow on Twitter. That, those guys and I have an interesting thing that we're working on that we're going to try to put something out like once a month or so. Um, and just as a team, and that's going to take away some focus as well. Um, but yeah, I, 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 in terms of the goals for the channel, I would love to be able to make just as many scouting reports as I did last year. Like 20 feels like a good sweet spot to cover guys that are likely to go very high in the draft and a couple of guys that I really, really like and have some interesting things to say. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know what the entirely, what the goals are in terms of success, but it is a goal to sort of expand the team a teeny bit um, and and uh, build on things a little bit more to make it more professional, so to speak. Um, which is why I hung things in my background now, even though it's pretty janky looking back there. Um, for the data on your screen, are you using the formulas on Google Sheets? Uh, we can chat about that privately, Ray. We can chat about that privately. Uh, what are your thoughts on Craig Button's rankings? I don't really pay that much attention to the lists that are coming out this early. Uh, so many of these guys haven't played. Like, I haven't made my list public, but I'll share it on live streams with where it's at. But I'm not going to sit here and definitively tell you that, you know, Ty Nelson is better than all of these players for sure. I don't know. Um, but what I will say, oops, doodle. But what I will say is that, you know, like I've gone back and looked at Ty Nelson and said, you know what? Based on what I saw at the Youth Olympics last year, I could see him being in this range. You know, is he a first-round pick? Yeah, probably. Um, but I just don't know, like, again, like, making it public and, like, putting it out and being like, here's what I think. I don't know what I think about a lot of these guys yet, especially from the data perspective. I've only tracked a game on a bunch of these guys. And I think there are some players where the data does kind of line up with how I think they've played. Some other guys like Gleb Trikazov where it does not. Um, and that needs time to even itself out. Uh, but with Craig Button's list, um, I mean, I'll pull it up and then at some point we got to call it a night. Oh, that's not it. I mean, really? why can I not? Um, Craig, Craig, button rankings, 2023. There we go. Um, you know, like I've seen Mirosh this year. I don't think I'd put him at two, at least not how he's played already. Slavkovsky, I think has been good, but again, still pretty high. Connor Geeky at five is optimistic, I would say. But I mean, if he hits like the tippy tippy top of what I've seen him capable of, then maybe he's a top 10 guy. But ahead of Matthew Savoy is a little bit strange. Um, you know, but the general guys in the certain ranges, I kind of get. Rutger McGrory, 
I don't I don't agree with this. Uh, I don't agree with this read of him, but I maybe he ends up in the mid first for me towards the end of the year. But I don't I don't have him that high. Um, you know, Lakaramaki ahead of both Ugrin and Usland is a little bit nuts, and that to me says I watched the Holinka and this is what I think. But again, like for Craig Button, again he's a great dude. He does the work. But that does seem to be the the biggest influencers on his lists is I've been there to watch this guy play and this is what happened. Um, and usually those times, especially for Europeans, are international tournaments where they're with new line mates and everything. So I don't know. Uh, but again, it's it, these were put out in late September. So I don't know. Uh, thoughts on Slovakia's... Oh, that was Bob McKenzie's list? Of course it was. Of course it was Bob McKenzie's list. Oregon, it doesn't even it doesn't even show up. I gotta go to HF board. Search engine optimization. Do the thing. Um, right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Um Kevin Korchinski is an interesting one at nine. I think that's what everybody's looking for. Hunter Height is an interesting one, but again, has not played since hasn't played in the OHL like ever right i don't think i don't think he's ever played in the ohl um and i don't know how i can do that and he didn't i don't think he played at the youth olympics i don't think i could be wrong but i don't think he did um i don't know it's just too early it's just so so early having isaac howard and frank nazar and lane hudson at 26 27 and 29 is a little bit wild uh to me um but it's it's very very early. I'll cut I'll cut some slack this early in the year. Uh, thoughts on Slovakia's two top prospects? We went over Nemesh a little bit. I really like Philip Mashar though. I I think that he's right there with with Nemesh more than people think. Um, I like him more and more the more I watch him. Uh, really impressive first game that I tracked. I I like him. I'll have my eye on him all year. Really dynamic 200-foot guy, but the offense is really, really good with him. He can shoot. Um, I, I like Philip Mashar quite a bit. Uh, and yes, I will take the suggestion for Fiverr for editing and other projects. I think I'll try some platforms and, and try other ones. Um, that's just going to be something that I need to work on before, I'd say, like January. Uh, but it would be, it'll yeah, we'll see what happens. But I'm very, very interested in in bringing on a, some help for that kind of work um okay so i think that's a good place to end it pretty much two hours on the dot which is great thank you very much for joining me um i think we're going to do streams once a week uh for now just while there's data coming in and i gotta catch up on chl guys now um so we'll do thursdays at 8 p.m uh if you are a patron or you would like to be one uh, we'll do some gaming uh, on Patreon, on Discord as well. So be sure to join the Discord server if you haven't already. Um, and you'll get access to all kinds of other fun goodies with that subscription uh, through Patreon. And uh, we can play some NHL online and, and have some fun. I just felt that the gaming kind of took away from what we were trying to do uh, on the live streams here. And it was a little bit distracting for me. And uh, I can get frustrated playing video games because I'm terrible at them. And I get frustrated when I'm bad at things. Um, so yeah. Um, anyways, uh, that'll be mostly where the gaming content lies, but then, you know, 
I think I think we'll make some special occasions where we can set some time aside, play some chell, uh, if I, if that's what the kids say still, um, or go back to the old classics and figure some stuff out. Um, so stay tuned for that in the future. Uh, thank you very much for watching. This was great. Um, hopefully the first of many this year, assuming I don't get struck by a bus while walking around one day. Um, and uh, yeah, hope you're all safe and well. Uh, if you haven't, please get your vaccine. I got mine. I feel great. Uh, I felt like crap for about a week, but that's fine. That was a bit extreme, and uh, I don't regret the decision whatsoever. Uh, in fact, I might be lining up to get another vaccine uh, in a couple of months to get my flu shot, uh, which you all should probably do as well. Um, thank you very much. Uh, hope you're all safe and well. All those things, both physically and mentally. Um, and we will see you next week. Happy Thanksgiving if you're a Canadian. Enjoy the time off if that is your if you are lucky enough to get it. Uh, and thank you very much, and we'll see you on another time. See you on the morrow in 